This is the Reclaiming Families podcast. It is our goal to expose the lies that undermine, erode, and destroy the family while discovering and reclaiming God's design for gender, marriage, family, and sexuality. So join us for open conversation about the struggles and joys of reclaiming families. All right, welcome back to another episode of Reclaiming Families. Yeah, we're glad that you're here. And if you haven't yet, check us out on Instagram, Facebook. Um, We have all of our podcasts on, I guess, pretty much like every podcast platform there is. So if you have not yet rated and reviewed us, you don't only have to do it on Apple, but you can go to all of them. iHeartRadio. Yeah, and just, you know, click some stars, preferably five, and then write something nice about us. And then if you really wanted to go the next step, share the podcast. What should they write about us? It's so nice. Like, Randy and Hillary are great. The best. The The, best. Their podcast goes above and beyond all others. Ooh, that's a good good comment. So, we want you to do that. But if, if you've enjoyed some of the resources that we've put out, if you've enjoyed... Uh, listening to this podcast, probably the greatest compliment that you could do is to share it with somebody else. Absolutely. We'd love if you did that. But hey, last week we had Dr. Crystal Humphreys here with us having a discussion about Gen Z. And um, in her first episode with us, she talked about the specific susceptibility um, that Gen Zs have to being sex trafficked. Um, and then she came on last week and we discussed, uh, parenting Gen Z's and technology use and stuff like that. And so we thought that today we would go in to talk a little bit about the importance of taking time to unplug and, um, I guess like patterns of Americans and cell phone usage, screen time, and then, um, kind of what that can do to our hearts spiritually. Yeah, and so, you know, Dr. Humphreys, if you haven't checked out that episode, go back and listen to it. But one thing she says is that Gen Zs have only grown up in this social media age, that millennials, my age, I grew up, and we didn't have social media, really. Like, it wasn't until high school that, like, I remember having a MySpace account. And yeah. uh, like the phones that we had where, you know, the bricks in your pocket where you right, could play snake right. on and stuff like that. And so but kids nowadays they only have known social media. They've only known smartphones. Yeah. One th- and uh, or when I went into schools to do some education um with the Sexual Assault Center of East Tennessee, we started doing cell phone like safety in that um curriculum in fifth grade and most of the time um, kids had had a phone for longer than just that fifth grade year. So, I mean, kids are getting phones now at nine, ten years old, sometimes a little older, sometimes a little bit younger. But um, what, what Dr. Humphreys is saying is exactly right. You know, I didn't get my first smartphone until I graduated college. Yeah. Um, and I know that because I remember sitting in my class with a girl who had a smartphone and being like, oh, my gosh can I get on Facebook on your phone? <laughs> and I thought it was like the coolest thing. I was sitting in class getting on Facebook, but it was a new concept to me. And I didn't get a smartphone until a little while, even later than that. Yeah, I've got a funny story. I um, So I didn't get a smartphone until I was on staff for the college ministry I after one. I graduated college. Yeah. 
And I remember I was sitting in the bleachers and I was watching the intramural game and I was with a bunch of fraternity guys. And all of a sudden, uh, I took a phone call and I just went, mm-hmm. whoop, I pulled my foot phone and flip. And then this kid turned around and said, did I just hear a flip phone? <laughs> and I, was just, I wasn't yep, too embarrassed. Yep. I was just thinking, yeah, it's a... But it was just funny how he recognized, like, man, that was from the past right there. You're, yeah. you know. So a, what we're saying, the difference is, even just from millennials, like, we're not that much older than Gen Z. But that difference of having the screen in your pocket accessible at any time makes a huge difference. And, right. you know, we did a little bit of research here, um, just trying to, to figure out, like, the average American. And um, we it, found out that the average American spends about two hours and six minutes on social media each day. That's a lot. And so if you take that and then um, you look at a year or your whole lifetime, if you look at your whole lifetime, the average person spends six years and eight months of their life scrolling through social media. Which is pretty wild because in addition to that, the average American spends about eight years watching TV. So if you put the social media and the TV together, what's eight plus six? Uh, it'd be fourteen. Yeah, <laughs> fourteen. Fourteen years. But honestly, it's probably like scrolling social media while watching TV. So some of those years can. Yeah. So you might not waste fourteen years of your life, but but think about that. Like, you know, it's not. You know, the most important thing in life is not getting things done, but that is six years of your life. That you spent, you know, scrolling social media, and then we're gonna talk later on about it. But really, you know, what it, what's the reward for all your time scrolling? And it's not even what could you have gotten done. In Randy's world, it's what could you have gotten <laughs> that's done. Right, that's right. In my world, it's who could I have connected with? Yeah. And you know, I probably buy into the um, the 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 falseness of oh, I'm connecting with all these people. Um, and in, to some degree, I am, you know, and to some degree, I get to keep up with a lot of people um, through social media. But it, most of the time, it's not the quality that, you know, right. I really long for. And, you know, that time scrolling social media is time if you're a mom, you're a dad, that you weren't with your family. Gosh, I heard something. So um, I just finished my practicum for clinical mental health counseling. Um, and this was back in January or or something. Um, so, you know, Ellie was a good bit younger and she was getting to the point where she was just making, like opening her eyes a lot while she was nursing and stuff like that. And about that time, um, and I guess I'm, I'm thankful that I heard it when I did and not to guilt trip anyone who, you know, looks at their phone while breastfeeding, but I was looking at this webinar, um, and they were talking about, all of the like issues with attachment and, and cell phones and how parents being um, unavailable and detached from their kids and how that's affecting their kids. And one of the, the examples that they used was how so often now moms are scrolling their phones instead of breastfeeding or when they're breastfeeding. And that's just missing out on like the eye contact and the like intimate connection that you would get with your baby. Um, and when I, I I don't know, I felt so convicted when I heard that because I was just like, oh my gosh, I do that almost every time. Like, it was like breastfeeding was my time to scroll my phone and like almost a multitasking. And so from that point on, I was like, all right, if Ellie's awake, because you know, sometimes she is asleep when she nurses. 
And at that point, she doesn't know if I'm on my phone. But if she is awake, then I want to be engaging with her and making eye contact. I don't know how I got off on that. No, but, but I, I think that's very important because that is kind of the issue. It's, it's like, okay, while you're breastfeeding Ellie, in your mind, it was like, that's the time where it's kind of a... Downtime. Downtime. Almost a not, a... not exactly a waste of time, but it's a time where you could spend it so much better, you thought, on your phone, checking up on people. But in reality... What's so important is that time is so well spent just enjoying and connecting with one another while you're breastfeeding. And I do think I've enjoyed it more since... Unplugging. Yeah. Yeah. So now we're... Anyways. Hey, we have like a breakdown. An average breakdown. That's right. Um, so we said how much time... Two oh, hours yeah. and six minutes on social media. Okay. So average Facebook use is what? Uh, 58 minutes a day. Okay. YouTube? 40 minutes a day. Instagram. 53 minutes a day. Okay. And that's just three social medias. Yeah. If you add that up, that's more that's more than two hours and six minutes. So I think what it's saying is <laughs> uh, is that the average person, you know, everybody is spending, you know, different times, uh, different amounts of time at different places. But the average person is looking at YouTube 40 minutes a day. That's crazy. You know, you know Apple phones. I don't know if your phone. Actually, your phone does have it has this thing where you can like break down and I think I was expecting for mine to be a lot lower <laughs> than the average but I spend uh, today I spent two hours and 56 minutes on my phone the day's also not over yet by the way um it's about 9 p.m here right now but 57 of those minutes was on Facebook which um 33 minutes was texting other people Nine minutes was on Marco Polo. Five minutes was on Instagram. And I had 10 seconds in Facebook Messenger. So I had lower social media than the average, but I had right up there. The average person spends two to four hours on their phone every day, which I thought this was kind of funny. That's tapping, swiping, and stuff like that. <clears throat> Excuse me. So your phone gets 2,600 daily touches. Yeah, I did not believe that at the beginning. I was like, no way. But Hillary showed me just in turning your phone on and flipping through a few apps, checking your messages. I mean, in no time, she swiped her phone like 50 times. 50 times, yeah. yeah. So, anyways, it's obvious. We don't have to convince you. <laughs> we spend a lot of time on our phones. We spend a lot of time and on And social media. And so, what we're saying is that what's good for the family is that um, our families unplug. Yeah. And uh, not, you know, you have to unplug entirely. But we need to put social media in its right place. And we need to put our families and prioritize them over social media. That's good because one big reason to unplug is just like what we were saying when I was nursing our sweet girl. And I was able to start enjoying that time together. You know, when we started to make eye contact, it started to make me do little things like, okay, I'm going to start saying, what do cows say? you know while I'm nursing her and she's laughing she's more laughing, and, yeah. but what if we started to do that kind of thing in all of our relationships like what kind of conversations would we have you know in our marriage if instead of swiping on our phones we put them down and were to intentionally engage with one another yeah we I mean we had a season in our life where I would come home and I would have my phone. And just like Hillary was saying as she's feeding Ellie, that she thought, hey, this is the time to scroll social media. It was that when she was feeding Ellie, 
I would sit across the room and I would just scroll social media. Except for he didn't stop when he was done breast or when I was done feeding her. That's right. I would just scroll. And so she would talk to me and I would just be like, yeah, or I wouldn't hear. I disregard her. And eventually she's like, listen, you have got to put your phone down is what my wife told me. And I knew she was right. Cause, I mean, it had been like months, I feel like, of us just not connecting at all. And it wasn't just his phone usage. You know, we were transitioning to a new baby, but it was like in the transition, we just quit connecting and like filled up the space with our phones. That's right. That's right. And so, uh, so yeah, one, I think one reason too to, to unplug is that the social media world is just a facade of the real world. It's not the real world. Like people, life is not as, as good as it is on social media. And so... You know, when you, sh- you need to just put up pictures of, you know, your time at the beach or your vacation or um, how your how beautiful your child is. Like, we put a lot of pictures of our baby girl. Because she is beautiful. She's beautiful. And, uh, but it's like, that's her and her her best or her cute moments most of the time, you know. And, uh, or when you do post her bad moments, it's like. It's to laugh and, or you know, cute. it's yeah. cute, you know. And so. Yeah, we don't ever just put a picture of when we're paddling. Yeah, you know, we don't paddle, at, you know, Ellie. But <laughs> we've never but, paddled. She's right. not even a year old. That's right. But I guarantee you, we're not going to put a picture of us spanking Ellie on Instagram. You know, and uh, and so as far as other people know, you know, life is a bed of roses. Um, as you know about our household, but in reality, um, yeah, there's a lot of things that we don't want to put on yeah. social media. And so, I mean, just with that right there. Their social media can, and again, it has so many technology. It's like a, a double-edged sword in a lot of ways because I don't know if that's actually the right thing to say. Sure. But there's so many great things about it, and then there's so many destructive things about it. But one of the destructive things about social media is the way that it breeds this discontentment. And so you see a family, just like you were saying, and you picture their life to be one way. And the reality is, is it's not. But then you, you're envious of the life that you have dreamt up this other family or this other couple or these other people having. And so, um, you know, people can become discontent with their bodies, discontent with their life. Um, we're always just seeing this image of perfect and perfect's not our life. And so we become a little bit discontent there. But on top of that... Um, you know, you have cyberbullying, um, and gosh, when I, like I said, I was working in the schools just a little bit and even the depression, like for the first time ever and I believe Dr. Humphreys talked a little bit about this, but for the first time ever, kids were not able to, to like, to say goodbye to the people at school. So you have the kid that's picked on that kid is used to in, in previous generations can say, all right by but now this kid has to take home the bullies in their pocket in the cell phone and so they're mm-hmm. continuing to be bullied um, depression rates gosh even even suicide rates have gone up as a result of social media the ease in which um, we're entertained even things like stupid tv shows like 13 reasons which is not like a, a connection social media sort of thing but it is screen time and it's you know, binging on a TV show, but, you know, depression rates, suicide rates went up 
when that ha- when that TV show came out. And so there's just so much that's going on on the screens that when we zoom out and look at it at a bird's eye view, we're very aware of. But when we're seeing it like right then and there, it's so hard to really see what's going on in our own hearts and how it's affecting us on a personal level. Anyways. Yeah, and I mean, with that, um, you know, another thing Dr. Humphreys was saying was that uh, children are, they're, they're, they're building friendships, but their friendships are being based on how many likes they're getting from other people. Like their acceptance is not this interacting with people and conversing with people and playing with other kids. Um, I mean, they do that, but there's also this level of, I put myself out there on social media, how many likes did I get? And I feel that pull too. And it's so, like, it's so, I mean, it's just funny how much, like, I put a picture, and I don't post too much, but I put something out there, I'm like, oh, four likes. Yes. <laughs> yes. I've never gotten a five so, before. I remember it's like when you, you know, got engaged, you know, it's like a hundred likes, you know, Whoa. whoa, you know, and you're thinking, and, you know, other people are like, oh my gosh, I would, you know, I would kill myself if I only got a hundred likes. But it's, that's the idea. Is he that, said that very, like, nonchalantly, but... That is that's the reality what's of what's yeah, going right. on. And so, but, and let's talk about why for a second. So dopamine in our brain, it's a neurotransmitter. Um, and that is the neurotransmitter, the chemical in our brain that gets released with pleasure. So it's released with, you know, things like sex, with um, eating a good bite of food, and it's released with a good social interaction. And so when you get on your phone and you see a like, then you get a tiny little dopamine hit. So every time there's a notification that comes up on your phone and you get that like inkling like, ooh, I want to look at it, it's because that's an opportunity for dopamine to be released. And so it's an opportunity to experience a little bit of pleasure when you look and see, oh, somebody else commented on my picture. Someone else said I had a beautiful family. Someone else said how cute my baby was, you know, or this person liked it. And the crazy thing is that dopamine, it plays a really big part in addiction. So it plays a big part in, um, you know, substance addiction, and it plays a big part in sex addiction, and it also plays a big part in social media or technology addictions as well. So... You know, one thing that, uh, you know, we learned was there's this, um, there's a video called The Social Dilemma. Yeah, and, on Netflix. Uh, on Netflix. And, and one thing it said that when you scroll Facebook and, and then you want to see what's new, like you're looking for something new and you pull it down to refresh, that that's a dopamine hit because it's like, ah, something new. And it, it's just made, the software is made for you to refresh it go through it again go through the feed again yeah one of the crazy things that i learned when we were watching that documentary is um even times where you're normally on your phone their algorithms will notice when you're not on your phone at that time and they will send you a notification so for example when i quit looking at my phone while nursing ellie i began to get uh instagram notifications during that time um, because the algorithm was set up to ultimately try to get me on my phone at that get time. They knew I was right. I was normally there. You know, and I want to apologize too. Like, you know, I, I talked about, you know, committing suicide over not getting enough likes. And 
And I think that really is the reason. That's one of the reasons that we're saying it's so important to unplug and to build friendships and to, um, yeah, to strengthen yourself against just this being duped by a false reality that you're, you know, not loved, not liked. Uh, and that may be, you know, somebody's reality, but but I, I, I kind of bet it's not. And so let's move in for a second and talk a little bit about um, addiction. Because I can imagine that a lot of people have different thoughts of the word addiction in and of itself. Um, but I, I'm, we can also rephrase it to just unbreakable habit or um, just a habit that we have. But social media is causing this dependency. And the reason that it's so hard to unplug is because we have this habit, we have this addiction, whatever word you want to use for it, and it's really hard to break. So let's talk about that for a second. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to break because you have set it up as a habit. But I think that what has to happen is um, you have to begin to deny that habit and you have to strengthen um, other habits that are going to strengthen your marriage. So, you know, you know, people call it cold turkey, but I think you're going to have to set some limits, some boundaries around your time on social media. And that in turn will allow you and free you up to kind of realize how much you've been sucked in mm. and allow you to maybe more objectively um, look at your usage after you have quit using your phone so much. Yeah. And I'll be honest, when I think about unplugging it, and we kind of go in seasons of where we're intentionally unplugged, I guess, a little bit more, and then seasons where we're not, we don't really think about it. And this has probably been a season for me where I haven't really thought about it until, you know, looking to see how much. But one of the biggest things when I go to unplug is I start to think, what if I don't know what's going on? Like, what if I miss something? And, you know, even just that thought right there, it's like, if the people, like, I'm not going to miss anything that matters. That's right. Like, I have to remind myself of yeah. that because um, I feel like I will miss something really important. Right. Yeah. Like, what if, you know, um, I mean, just breaking news, if you didn't get the breaking news. Now, there's ways that you're going to get breaking news, like you'll, um, you know, you have Amber Alerts on your phone, a little, uh, something comes underneath your TV, your radio starts, you know, flashing if there's a, a tornado coming through. Like, you're, you'll probably get the very important information. You know, yeah. your neighbor will be yelling at you across the way, you know. It's true. The, the life and death information, you're probably going to get most of it. And, and uh, but it's so crazy. It's like, that really is the thought. Like, what if I don't know what's going on? Because it's almost like it's going to make me irrelevant. Yeah, and even that, like, there's something in me. I, this is me, not Randy. <laughs> but it's like, well, Ellie's birthday's coming up. Well, if I am not on social media during that time, people are going to get to see her birthday pictures. And it's like... <laughs> that is not me. <laughs> people don't care <laughs> if they don't see her birthday pictures. Sure. I mean... It might be something where they enjoy seeing them once they see them, but they're not going to miss them. You know, the people that care are going to be at her birthday party. Are going to be at the birthday that's party, right, right. and if they weren't, I'm going to be texting them pictures throughout the day, anyways. That's right. 
So. And so, you know, there might be a feeling of being irrelevant, but in reality, to give up social media for the sake of your family, I think makes you more relevant to your family. That's good. And, uh, and so, yeah, there's a whole world that's going on there wants to distract you from your family. But we want to... And distract you, even more importantly, from the Lord. Yeah, or just, yeah, just keep you distracted in general. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've always loved it. Like, Leonard Ravenhill had this quote, and it said something along the lines of, entertainment is the devil's substitute for joy. Hmm. Was like, that was the... And I'm not saying entertainment is bad, you know, but it's just saying, when you're just trying to get entertained, you kind of give up what is real and what is good and what is really brings joy and satisfaction for a quick fleeting momentary. Ah, look at that. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. And I think I see what you're saying there was like entertainment is not always bad because I think in my life I've had seasons where entertainment has been really restful. Um, yeah. Like when I, when I worked in campus ministry, I had a Saturday that was a full Sabbath and I took it very seriously where I spent extended time with the Lord. I exercised. It just felt really good. And I normally ended the day with some kind of movie or something like that. And that day I felt really rested um, from the day, like ready to to get back for the week and go hard. Um, and so that was a time of entertainment when I would watch that movie where it was like a piece of restfulness. But I've also had seasons of my life where it's almost like I'm trying to escape um, or I just want to zone out and not think about anything. And... I would say that there's times in, in those moments where, you know, maybe I've just scrolled for no reason or, or binge watched Netflix or something. And when I walked away from those, I did like in the moment it felt good, but I walked away feeling more drained and almost a little bit depressed. And so I think that's kind yeah. of what, what you're saying there. You no, know, it's a, I mean, there's these feelings of irrelevant, right? And, uh, uh, but also this idea of, well, <laughs> What if I just said like, do you, what if you do? You, I mean, if you, if you're not involved with social media, I think one thing you might feel like is a loser, like everybody else in the world is having fun, you're not. I think that's really where we need to have um, some compassion for the Gen Zers because if you think about it, they have they've never known this life without it, and to not have a phone is kind of like different than all of their friends all of their friends are doing something reading something seeing something and they don't have access to it if they're unplugged and so I think that is where we can have some compassion for them um, and just kind of putting ourselves in their shoes what it must feel like but also as parents kind of to do it alongside of them and you know to experience the the difficulty in that together absolutely I like how you said that like parents lead the way in it yeah um yeah, you might feel uninformed, you know, if you're not on social media and seeing what's going on. And and uh, we kind of talked about that, making it irrelevant. And um, and then just, yeah, just, you know, fear of missing out. Yeah. And that's just really big because when we're on our phones, we don't even realize how much we're missing out on right in front of us. Even just a, a simple example of this is I don't know if, if you've ever, you know, been somewhere or, or done something, but one moment I love, and this just shows my roots of Knoxville, Tennessee, but at UT football games, I absolutely love when the team runs out of the power tee and they're singing Rocky Top and like the whole stadium's going crazy. 
And there were a few times where it's like, oh, I got to get this on my Snapchat. And I'm looking at it through my screen. And I realized, like, I did it, you know, two or three times. And I just realized, like, I cannot even have my phone out in this moment because I am missing the beauty of the moment. I am missing (laughs) Rocky Top. (laughs) And so, but it's like, how often, you know, that's a really silly example. But I, like, that's a true experience for me. How often do we experience that in our day-to-day life where we don't even realize, like, take the phone away and just take it in with the senses that God gave us to take it in with? That's right. And, yeah, like, we might have said it, but it's, it's worth saying again. Like, yeah, you might feel like you're missing out if you're not on social media, but your family is missing out on you. Yeah, that's important. And so, yo, one other thing about social media, and there's a there's a documentary called The Social Dilemma. We already told that. And, uh, well, I mean, we'll, we can briefly hit it again <laughs> And uh, it is so good, so important. Um, I'm not saying everything in that thing is great because there's some part of it. I'm like, man, I think you're wrong. But uh, um, but there is it. Keeps, it talks about polarized populations too, mm. and this is some of the damage that social media is doing to us. That that not everybody sees uh, the same thing on social media. Yeah, that you only really see the things that you want to see, the things that support your beliefs that reinforce um, your values. And so, for example, politically, if you're a conservative, you'll only see things that are about how dumb liberals are and leftists are. And if you're a liberal? If you're a liberal, you'll only see things about how dumb and how, um, you know, selfish and unthoughtful Republicans are. You know, and so it just reinforces your... Uh, position it's it's i would say that that's played a huge part in our society of why there's two groups of people that are so at odds with each other right that's right and they can't they can't talk with one another there's no space no room to have a conversation and oh oh you see it that way oh well that's you know there's you know two sane people should be able to come together and have a conversation and at least see where they're coming from. But but those conversations are few and far between. Mm-hmm. And part of that is because we are not, we can't unplug from social media enough to have a conversation with people in the real world. Yeah, that's good. And kind of, I don't know if this is in addition to this, kind of on the same line, but I want to talk a second about anxiety. Um, because, you know, we're seeing all of this stuff. We live in a more anxious time than any other time in the entire world. And even that right there, I believe that social media is playing a big part in it. I mean, studies show that just by not having your phone on your body, anxiety is, it it increases, which is pretty wild because for generations there's been no connection to people yeah. like a phone. My grandpa did not have <laughs> any phone. Right. My growing up. And, and yeah. he still does not carry a phone with him as That's I don't right. think. But anyways, so this anxiety And he's not worried about it. And he's not worried about That's it. Right. But for us, um, earlier today I couldn't find my phone for a good couple hours and it wasn't like it's on the forefront of my mind, but it was definitely in the back of my mind, like, Oh, I need to find that. Um, and so that increases anxiety, but also, um, anxieties increase because for the first time in our lives, um, think about it before phone, we only knew what was going on right in our sphere of influences. 
And so we could come home and at six o'clock we could turn on the news and find out what was going on in our community and a little bit about what's going on in the world. But now I can just open up my phone and all of a sudden I know all of the shootings that have gone on in the entire nation. I know every tragedy that's happened. Um, I, I know about the babies who are dying of SIDS. I know about all of the miscarriages and, you know, all of the stuff that I would not have even known to be fearing. But all of a sudden, I've heard people's personal stories of them. And so I have all of these extra fears that I'm carrying around. And my brain is just not... Like, I'm not, my brain's not hardwired. It's not designed to take on this stress of knowing all the things that I now know because of social media and anxiety is the answer. I mean, even as parents, especially moms, you know, we want to do things the right way. For the first time um, in any generation, we have all of these people telling us the right way to do it through social media, but all of the ways are different. So how do we know what is the right way it's really anxiety producing. Um, and so I would just say that social media, phone usage, having a screen at the, the tips of our hands, yeah, it, it causes a lot of anxiety. Um, but, but information, and that's the thing, is like the information you can get from the, the internet or from social media is pretty cool. Like the amount that you can get, you know, we like to do uh, taking care of babies and... Yeah, I'm not um, saying I don't yeah, love right. the mommy bloggers. That's right, that's right. Mm-hmm. So, but it's the idea that, you know, it's information overload. Information overload, yeah. and uh, and so and yeah, it, it definitely affects us, and and it's hard to figure out what's real, what's not real, what's true, what's not true. And, and aside from anxiety, in that same webinar I was telling y'all about that um, I learned the thing about breastfeeding. They did some studies on kids that had ODD, um, which is like... Oh, that's so important, yeah. It's like, you know, it's just like defiant behavior in children. And then some kids that had symptoms of being um, on the autism spectrum. I'm not saying these kids were or that they did not have autism, um, but they had symptoms of it. They did a study, and for a lot of children, it has been that when you remove the screen um, from them completely, so not just, okay, we're going to limit it to an hour, but if you go, you know, I can't remember the amount of time, sorry, I wish I could remember, but I want to say it was three months, no screen, so 90 days, no screen. A lot of their symptoms improved. They started to become less defiant, um, and the symptoms that looked like autism spectrum disorder began to go away again this is not healing of autism spectrum disorder but some things that looked like it right um those symptoms did go away with the the more they were gone with the screen is the idea that the screens uh, the led lights are so stimulating to the brain Mm -hmm. that the brain is kind of getting wired right uh for that stimulation and uh and so when you are not stimulated that much they want want to find something that stimulates yeah it's it's the real world doesn't do that right and so it's almost normal that you would be poorly behaved because you're used to being so you know stimulated and i remember too just like uh dr humphreys was talking about screen times and the age of zero to like two years old, mm-hmm. like babies 
should not look at any screens or something like that. It was like they shouldn't see any screens, any LED lights. I mean, lights. seeing it is different than watching it, I would say. Right, watching. But I, even our, our pediatrician was like, hey, no screen time. Mm-hmm. Don't let them see any screens. Which is pretty crazy. And uh, because the studies are showing that it's causing these autistic-like symptoms. Yeah. And uh, and also, you know, we looked up some studies, uh, Science Direct, Psychology Today, and and it just reinforces what we've already been saying. It just the association between social media use and anxiety. Mm. And, uh, you know, the more time spent using social media was associated with greater symptoms of anxiety. Yeah. Um, and the more social media linked with greater odds of having anxiety disorders. And so, you know, there's this thing called a positive feedback loop. And, and I really, whenever I find out that something has a positive feedback loop, kind of like a microphone where... The microphone is in front of the speaker, and then all of a sudden you say something, the speaker amplifies what you're saying, it goes back into the microphone, and it just gets loud, and you hear that, you know, the, you know, okay, yeah. it'll blow your ears, right? So it's that, yeah, feedback. It's a feedback <laughs> it's a, loop, yeah. right? And so, you know, with alcohol, if it's like, okay, well, I drink alcohol to... Um, numb myself. To feel good, yeah, yeah to you know, numb myself, and then, but I find myself... Um, more depressed, more depressed, or hung over that I want to drink yeah. more alcohol, and it's this feedback loop, and it makes you a a alcoholic, and mm-hmm. you can't quit because the the thing that is causing your disease is the thing that you crave, yeah, and it's just so self destructive, and and that's what self, social media is too, is it's a positive feedback loop of, and it's this anxiety inducing feedback loop where you are so anxious about what's going on in the real world that you want to look at social media and see what's going on. And then when you see what's going on, that you're anxious about maybe how you don't live up or, or all the things going on, and it makes you more anxious. And so, um, yeah, I'm not saying that maybe as clear as I could. but You're just saying that the thing that you're trying to escape from or get relief from is actually amplified once you get your phone and begin to use it. That's right. Maybe I'll, I'll read this. Uh, this is some research right here. It says, The data show that while many people who use social media a great deal are anxious, when they are not using social media, they turn to social media to reduce this withdrawal anxiety and end up with another form of anxiety produced by engaging with their digital platforms. Hmm. So that's what I'm trying to say. All right. Said well. I think I said it well, yeah. Well, let's transition and try to wrap it up here. I'd like to end with just some clear applications. Um, and I would say that there's kind of a set of applications for us as adults. Yeah. And then I think there is a set of applications for, for parents as well. Um, for adults, um, check your heart and, and see, you know, how much you're using your phone. And so, you know, Apple has one of those things where you can go on your phone and check, how much time um that's how i knew how much time i had spent on my phone today and with the breakdown you can just go into settings and and see screen time there um ask yourself how do you feel about uh how do you feel without your phone um are you feeling really anxious when you you don't have it that's probably a red flag right there um are you spending time with your phone before you're spending time with god that's a huge red flag for me in my life when i know that some things need to happen. And, and then I would also ask yourself, like, 
What does it feel like after you've had a scroll session? Do you feel refueled? Do you feel anxious? Do you feel like kind of blah, a little depressed? Those are all good heart level things. Yeah, and some of the stuff that I really love is, yeah, we had a friend, and then she was very disciplined. You know, she's trying to figure out how to unplug from social media, and, and she has something on her phone that just limits her social media access so these, to 30 minutes a day. Yeah, so the practical side of the applications, yeah. um, you can. You can go in the same little area that says screen time. Uh, I just saw this for the first time today, um, but you can set limits, um, app limits, which is pretty, like you can add limits right on there. I'm yeah, sorry. I'm, that's pretty cool. I'm saying so, it as, as I was figured it out. But yeah, so that was pretty cool. But also, you know, one of the best things for our family has been this thing called phone to Jack. And, uh, what it does is it takes my cell phone and it transmits it onto the house phone. And so it rings on the house phone, just like... And the house phone has a cord on it. So it's an old phone that I grew up with. So now we have a corded phone in our house that if you want to talk on the phone inside our house, you know, you're going to have to answer this corded phone and talk right there and then hang up the phone. In the perfect world, that's what you would be doing. And then go back to In the actual world, you probably still have your phone in your pocket. But if you're disciplined, you don't. That's right. And so... Really, for us, it was when I was on social media. I was on my phone all the time while I was home. And, you know, we're saying, hey, you've got to unplug. So what I would do is I would put my phone and I would charge it right there at this end table. So his phone is not in our bedroom when we sleep at night. That's right. It's not in my pocket. And so I'm going throughout the house. And if somebody calls me, I can hear it. But if somebody texts me, you know, I, I might never get back to him until I go check my phone every now and then. And so... It's just a sense where I might miss your text, but your text is not more important than my family. You know I mean, I might, I might even miss your phone call, but your phone call is not more important than my family. And it's this idea of unplugging to create space for my family. And uh, so I really like those things called Phone to Jack. They're like 20 bucks, and uh, you can buy them online. And it makes it so that you can hear your phone ring, right? It's coming through your house phone. Yeah. And uh, it's kind of funny talking on a corded phone, too, so... Um, do you want to do some applications for parenting? Yeah. These are really just um, reiterations, I suppose, of what Dr. Humphreys has already said. But since we're talking specifically about social media and phone usage, technology, unplugging, thought it'd be good to say again. Um, one, she mentioned to set clear boundaries before media ever enters your home. So before you even get your kid a cell phone, Go ahead and talk about the boundaries. Now, some of you might be thinking like, I wish I would have heard this, you know, last year or something. And I would still say it's never too late to set those boundaries up to have um, a good heart-to-heart with your children on that. Um, Another thing that she said is do not let them be alone with the screen. And so that's just because of how easy it is to be exposed to things that, you don't want your kids exposed to. I mean, even PBS, like author's teacher, you know, the, what animal is he? I can't remember, an anteater or something. Like his teacher is a male who married another male on the children's show. And so you have no idea what your kids are being exposed to, even on things that you thought were originally safe, much less, you know, the pornography and, and that sort of thing that they could be exposed to as well. So Don't let them be alone with it. Set clear time limits. So maybe you say, okay, we're going to have the screen for 30 minutes and then we're going to be done. Would you like 15 minutes now and 15 minutes later? Or would you like to spend all of it right now? 
Um, that way they get a little bit of an option, but you're setting the limit. Um, and then she mentioned the importance of sticking to your gun, sticking to what you said. Um, and I think that we would add to that. Uh, don't ask your kids to do something that you're not willing to do. And so yeah, for us, right. that's a big wake up call um, for us because, you know, we're modeling right now for what our one year old is going to be thinking and seeing and doing in the future. And so, you know, we need to, to get our media uh, technology usage um, under wraps, not under wraps, um, under control. That's right. I don't know what the word I'm looking for is before she starts to get to that point. Yeah, like my little girl, she knows that our phones are different than other devices. Like it's not the same as a spatula. You know, she'll pick up a spatula and she'll she'll look at it and then she'll put it down. She doesn't, you know, I mean, she loves spatulas, but maybe it's a bad example. But, but the point is, though, when she gets our phone, she knows like, oh, this is mommy's prized possession. <laughs> this is daddy's prized possession. I'm going to eat it now. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And she just wants to hold it. You try to take it from her, she wants it. You know, she wants it back because she knows it's special for it's some spe- reason. It's special to us for some reason, and so and it might be special because KK and Grandma are in it sometimes. Yeah, but anyways, I don't know. It's, she knows there's something. But the idea of hey to really you know to take back your home to reclaim your home, you know it's focus on your family and uh, unplug from social media so that you can give yourself um, to your family. Yeah. And experience family. And you know, it's going to be richer and better than anything that you find on your phone. So good. So true. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for being with us to the end of this conversation. Next week, we get to have another special guest. And our favorite episodes are the episodes where we have other people on here talking with us. But next week, we will have Ashley Woods on the show with us. And she's going to be talking a little bit about her journey Um with depression and addiction um, and how she has seen the Lord's goodness to her in redeeming a lot of that and through recovery. So tune in next week with us and we'll see you then. Thank you for listening to Reclaiming Families. Check us out at reclaimingfamilies.org where you can find our latest podcasts, blogs, news, and events. We look forward to seeing you all next time.